everyone, welcome to the Brand Up Podcast, the place for founders with a million ideas, neurodivergent minds, and growing brands. If you sometimes find traditional marketing advice trickier to follow than you'd like, friend, you're not alone. I've lost count of the neurodivergent founders I've worked with who find traditional marketing advice difficult to follow, exhausting to execute, and frankly, disappointing in its results. On this podcast, you will learn about marketing that works for all kinds of brains. You'll hear conversations with experts who found their way to success, both online and in the real world. Whether I'm interviewing a guest or sharing the occasional solo episode, my promise is that we'll share useful information about how to market your business with more ease and better results, especially if, like me, you're neurodivergent. Two last things before we get started with today's episode. First, I joyfully live in a house with a considerable number of Devon Rex cats, five to be precise. They are a chatty bunch and they really don't like it when I close my office door. So if you hear them crying, fear not. I promise they get all the cuddles in the world once this recording is over. And two, I am prone to dropping the occasional sweary word. And I invite my guests not to censor themselves either when they join me on the podcast. So if you have sensitive ears around, pop some headphones in and you'll be all set. Let's get to today's episode. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Brand Up Podcast. I'm thrilled to introduce to you and it is Katie Tucker, who is a market research expert extraordinaire, an author of a soon to be released book that I have already gotten my sticky fingers on because I'm super lucky, but you can very soon get your sticky fingers on. Do penguins eat peaches? It is an essential question that you want to be asking in your business, and you're about to find out why. Katie is also a world traveler, has done extraordinary things with her family, is a mama, and many other things besides, and she is going to tell us today why it is absolutely business critical for every single founder and every single brand to do research, even when you may think it's too late, even when you don't know where to start, Katie is going to guide us through it. So welcome, Katie, to the podcast. Oh, thank you so much, Anne, for having me. It's a pleasure. Okay, let's dive right in. Tell me, because it's about to be released, what made you want to write a book about market research and edit it and, and publish it now? Why now? Why is this why is Do Penguins Eat Peaches so necessary right now? Writing a book is, has always been a dream of mine, and I'm sure it's a dream for a lot of people. I did not think that my first book would be about market research. Um, it's not the sexiest topic, um, but it is so uh, important because I was seeing in my community online, um, in my friends, uh, at my co-working space, too many small businesses going about their business, trying, putting so much effort and passion into their businesses and not getting much results because they were guessing what their audience needed. And um, sometimes you guess uh, subconsciously. Um, so you're assuming, yeah, I know my audience likes this or I'm sure my customer's gonna like this. Uh, and sometimes you're doing it um, intentionally because uh, actually going to find out can be a little bit scary uh, but essentially I was thinking there, there is another way I've worked in larger businesses and they are doing it another way and there's no reason why small businesses can't adopt some of these practices and strategies to help them you know thrive and survive like I, it was just disheartening for me to see uh, so many uh, of my business community um, you know, not knowing how to do it, putting random polls out on Instagram and uh, in their newsletters, not necessarily asking the right questions and launching things that sometimes didn't work, you know, despite all that uh, passion and energy behind it. So um, it's, it was timely because, you know, post-pandemic, I think a lot of businesses are struggling um, 
and a lot of business, small businesses are shutting shop, basically, uh, whether it's online or in person. Um, I think the stats are quite uh, dire, actually, after, you know, three years in business, there's like 40 or 50% of businesses, small businesses that are closing. And I think this can help them not close or at least make an informed decision about whether it's something they want to pursue. Uh, so I got you know, really uh, excited and I'm trying to get everyone else excited about market research and understanding cust customers as well. So you're on a, on a one woman mission to rebrand and make market research sexier. You're in the right place at the Brand Up podcast. We're going to do just that for everyone who's listening today. So for our listener who is a founder of a business and perhaps a few years in, maybe has had thoughts of chucking it in because it's hard or has felt those moments of being disheartened because this idea, this program that they've spent hours and hours and weeks and weeks putting together and all of these amazing, beautiful pieces, and it's a 12-week program or a six-week program or a six-month program, whatever it is, or they've they've made their version of Object 17. What It's always a blue Japanese mug with me. I always have <laughs> these mugs with me. So if you're listening and you haven't seen them, Go to my Instagram. You will definitely see the blue Japanese mugs showing up all the time. If you are a founder and you've been in business for a while and you've had those moments of discouragement or you've wondered why something you were so sure about didn't work, is it too late to do market research? And I think that's the brilliant thing about market research is that it's never too late um, to, to seek intentionally uh, from your audience, you know, what they want or what they don't want in some cases. Um, I think traditionally we think of market research as something you do at the beginning uh, of, a, of a new idea, a new business, a new product, a new service. And if you haven't done it at the beginning, then that's it, you know, you kind of, it, all, is, um, all is lost. But there's so much that can be learned um, in failure, as we know, uh, and, and launching something that doesn't work is a great opportunity, you know, once you've brushed yourself off, because, you know, it can be <laughs> soul destroying to put so much effort into something that doesn't work. But going back to the uh, to the people who you uh, who you want to to buy your products or your services, and um, talking through with them, and we can maybe talk about that a little bit in terms of how to structure some of those conversations. But talking to them, I think that's the biggest message in my book. You know, there's surveys. I've got lots of um, information and tips about how to do good surveys, how to do desk research, which is a great place to start as well. But ultimately, the biggest message is to actually speak to your customers and to speak to your audience and set up intentional conversations. This doesn't have to be hard. It doesn't have to be long. It doesn't have to be uh, many. You don't have to do like a hundred um, interviews, but you need to have these um, ongoing conversations to really unpick where your customers are at and understand uh, potentially in the, in the case of launching something and they don't buy it, um, what what was it about it that didn't um, didn't fit the bill, or you know, did you purchase anything else this month as as opposed to purchasing my course? So just being um, an explorer, really, and I think that's uh, another notion that I take through the book, having that curiosity, and that can be hard when we're founders because we're so close to our business. So emotions obviously always get involved. It's not like you're working in a big company, something didn't work out. You know, it's it's not as um, personal. So I think it takes some courage to, to to do the market research and try to figure out why. But there's it's always, you know, what awaits on the other side of those great questions and that curiosity um, is always worth it. You will always learn something. So hearing you talk about how we have this sense of, you know, if we haven't done it at the very beginning, then it's too late. We've, we've missed the boat and we are just going to have to keep muddling along. When is the right time to do market research? So, um, I mean, it's great to have some guidelines. So if you are at the beginning of a project or at the beginning of a new idea, and um, if you're like me, and I think, Anne, we're quite similar, we have a lot of, we have a lot of ideas. Um, yep. And, you know, one requires a filter to, to, to ensure that we're putting our time and effort in the right thing. So at the beginning, like if you're planning your next six months or if you're thinking about the year ahead, those tend to be the times when you're thinking about, okay, what could I launch? What do I need to do? That's always a good time to do some uh, market research, either, you know, some uh, desk research, so just a simple, some Google searches. Um, let's say you're trying to launch um, a course um, to help you know, small businesses with social media, just start looking at social media trends, um, you know, with your target audience. And so that that's a, a good place to start. And then setting up some uh, interviews with your customers because your ideas 
are basically hypotheses. You don't know whether they're going to stick yet or not. And that's having that kind of explorer scientist um, mindset. You have these ideas and you are going to speak to, let's say, you know, um, a handful of people, let's say five or seven people and explore with them some of the themes that you're, you know, obviously um, depending on what business you're in around their social media use, what are their challenges, what are their pain points. Um, and just see whether then you can identify some themes that kind of stick and uh, verify some of the hypothesis that you have on what you were going to launch, um, you know, that particular year. So the beginning uh, is really important. Um, and then during the, uh, if we're talking about like a, a yearly plan, I think during the year, what you want to be doing is at least um, another touch point with customers. Uh, talking to them, like actually having a customer uh, interview. And then in between, I pepper that with making sure you're doing, you know, even if it's every six weeks, some uh, proper desk research around your area, keeping on top of trends, um, you know, maybe a survey once a year as well. Um, so, you know, my my book really advocates for this is not a stop start exercise. It's a mindset that you embody Hopefully, once, you, once you've read the book, Anne, you're like, okay, this isn't just right. I've got something to launch. I need to do my market research. Absolutely. But it's more of a, how can I stay curious the rest of the time? How can I, um, you know, read through the lines when I'm uh, talking to customers, when they send me an email, when they're not responding to, uh, an, um, you know, uh, a call to action or uh, they're not following up or, you know, you do discovery calls and they're not actually uh, then going on to commit to buy with you. I'm just trying to read through the lines. And um, I think that can, once you've, once you've adopted that kind of curiosity mindset, that explorer mindset, it can, you'll be surprised at how much of the details that you might've been missing um, kind of uh, can help uh, shape your, your business. Yeah. And, and as you're listening to those conversations, because that is so much an essential part of the art. I mean, it's such an essential yeah, piece of the art of, of doing market research is listening skillfully. Um, as you're listening, you may also discover that while whatever the plan was that you had may not be exactly what your clients are looking for, you may very quickly be able to produce something or be it a, a physical object or a solution or, or a, a coaching offering or something that will better meet their need faster than the maybe more complex thing that you were planning on creating. And so what happens when you adopt this mindset of curiosity, this explorer mindset, and I love that that perspective because it feels less personal, right? When you're when you're the scientist or the explorer, you're you you begin to embody curiosity in your business. It's no longer a vindication or uh you know valor valuing of you, yes, no you know, black and white, it's, oh, this is, this is maybe a direction that, oh, nope, that's, that's a wall. That's not what they're interested in. Oh, but they are really interested in these three things. I didn't even think about that because that's so, that's something I'm so used to doing that of course everybody, well, no, not everybody knows how to do that thing or achieve that result with their art or their dog training or whatever. So having that, I love that idea of it isn't just at the beginning, but it's really a mindset even though that's a word that's a little overused. It's, it's a mindset of being curious. And I wonder what would happen if I had these conversations. Now, something that I learned from you a long time ago when we worked together, and you've been a guest in my Loud and Clear group brand voice and messaging program. One of the things that I learned from you and that I had learned decades ago as well, and so it stands, it has stood the test of time, is the importance of knowing how to ask questions. What to do and what not to do because Questions are most often quite leading, even when we don't intend them to be. So can you talk a little bit about, speak to our listener who is a, a founder, very likely neurodivergent, like me and so many of, most of us are, right? Um, and so there's a whole, there are layers of emotion, layers of fear, layers of, of complexity. And, and when we see this incredible complexity of what we could be talking about and all the people we could be talking to, often we can get stuck. So think about that person. What what are the, the good things to do when you're formulating questions, whether they be to have a conversation with someone like this? I mean, not in a podcasting studio, but you know, a conversation over over Zoom or to as you're creating a survey, how how can you write good questions or ask good questions that get you the information you want? And what do you, what should you avoid? 
that's my favorite question and asking me about questions. Um, and absolutely that explores mindset. Um, before I give some tips on questions, it just gives you that permission. I think a safe space to, um, to potentially fail in a good way. And it's like that test and learning and experiment. Mm -hmm. Um, so in terms of questions, I think my, uh, I can give, um, a few examples, um, that we can work through at the same time. But my first, uh, tip is like, don't ask people outright whether they're interested in in your idea. So I often take the example of um, a company or like a founder looking at launching um, a subscription type package. Maybe they they have a, a site online where they have like separate gifts, like independent brands, and they're thinking of doing like a subscription box. And, uh, you know, the, the number one mistake I see is founders going in and asking their audience, oh, I'm thinking of launching uh, a subscription uh, box uh, with all my products, maybe, you know, for women, maybe on a um, monthly basis. Is that something you'd be interested in? People, you know, on the whole, they are supportive. They No one really likes to feel uncomfortable and they're likely to say, yes, that sounds like a great idea. You know, they, they have no skin in the game. They can say yes. And then you can mm -hmm. go away and get all excited because, you know, you've done a poll on Instagram and you have you know, a majority of the people, you know, 80% who said, yeah, that's a, I quite like that idea. That is not um, a guarantee that they will buy <laughs> your subscription box. And I think what you need to be looking at, um, and if there's like kind of one takeaway around questions is seek the behavior that you're looking, um, you're looking for, for your product to be a success. So in this case, it would be having a conversation with your customers, not necessarily saying maybe at the end of the conversation, you can say, this is something I'm thinking about, but you're asking them, do you currently subscribe to any subscription boxes? And it doesn't have to be necessarily the same category as yours. It can be, um, you know, some people have food boxes, some people have, um, uh, you know, wine boxes, uh, beauty boxes. I mean, the subscription market is, is quite um, diverse. Uh, you're looking for someone who pays, already pays on a monthly basis for something. It doesn't have to be exactly the same product as yours um, because, you know, a lot of people might say, oh yeah, that sounds like a great idea. When you explore the behavior. Oh, so tell me, have you got any subscription boxes currently? How many do you have? Oh, actually I don't, um, I don't subscribe to any boxes. And then you're like, okay, have you in the past? Maybe they have maybe, and then they can, you can unpick with them why they stopped. Um, so it's just about, yeah, seeking, uh, those behaviors. Like if you're launching in-person events, oh, I'm thinking of doing an in-person event. Let's say you're a service business and you were going to do, um, uh, like a brand uh, event and for example and you ask your audience would you be interested in attending post-covid oh yeah that sounds like a great idea you put the tickets out and no one buys you know if then you can you know if you explore beforehand with your audience like when was the last time you actually went to an in-person event over the last six months so you're starting to get evidence to build an evidence file really to see whether um, in your audience they're kind of uh, warm or doing those behaviors that you need for that product to be a success so biggest takeaway here is really like don't ask customers outright whether they're interested in in your idea there's a time and place for that down the line but initially when you're in that exploratory phase just explore the behaviors so you don't start doing too much work um spending too much money and energy without having properly um kind of evidenced so um that would be probably like the most important thing when it comes to questions face to face and one that sounds counterintuitive you know because it's like Oh, I'm asking, you know, I'm asking customers what they want. I'm asking whether they're, I mean, I'm involving them. It, this is market research. And it's actually, no, just kind of tweak those questions to explore the behaviors. You know, talk me through the last time you went to an event. Talk me through whether you subscribe to any subscription uh, boxes. Um, have you purchased a premium uh, brand over the last, uh, you know, um, over the last year? Like look for the behaviors and that will be so much more powerful. Yeah, the behaviors and then I would imagine as well the what drove those behaviors. So to get to to selfishly use your example, I have thought about and I've I've had various clients say to me, you should totally do an event or people who know me, you should totally run a retreat, a brand voice and messaging retreat. It would be so amazing. And because they know that I'm also a highly trained yoga teacher and meditation teacher, and they know that I hold space and being you know, holding space for a group is part of what I've done for years and years and years. And I love it. And I love being in person with people. It's a whole different energy. And so they will say, oh, you should totally do it. It'd be amazing a retreat with you all weekend or a three-day retreat. One of the questions that I would have 
beyond when is the last time that you went? Have you ever been on a business retreat? First of all, that gives me a yes or no, which is not so useful, but it would be what I would tend to ask. Then if the, if the answer was yes, or maybe I just started with when's the last time you paid to go to an in-person event and what was that? Tell me about the event and what drove you to, to purchase that event. The next thing as you were talking that I would, would want to ask naturally is how much did you pay for it? How much would you be willing to pay and what would you expect to have happen? Is that a question that makes sense? Yeah, no, absolutely. I think... Um... Uh, what you touched on there, Anne, was around having those, uh, like ensuring that you're having a majority of open-ended questions. So your question there was, have you have you been to um, a business type retreat over the last, um, you know, six months or so? That's a great starter question. You're, you might get a yes, you might get a no, but then it's all about the why um, and the, you know, how did you go about choosing it? Where did you um, uh, find, find out about it? Um, you know, would you be willing to share how much you paid for it? Uh, did, did you feel that was good value for money? Just so you can start getting those pricing brackets because pricing is another area. Um, I have quite a big uh, section on that in the book as well because I think as as founders um, and small businesses, you know, it's a struggle. And even it's a struggle for me, even though I know all the theory, it's still, it's still a struggle. I think when it comes to pricing, you haven't got a big corporate with a big pricing department doing all this complicated stuff for you. Uh, and so, yeah, having those open-ended questions, um, asking them, you know, what you're looking for essentially, Anne, is is stories. You know, you are, you're looking for customer stories. You, and to do that, you need to ask them um, questions that are going to uh, trigger that kind of, you know, natural flow uh, of conversation. So, yeah, tell me about the last time you, you actually went on one of these uh, business retreats. Talk me through the, a couple of days before, um, you know, uh, what happened when you got there? What did you do next? Like, and, and, and you'll be surprised. I think a lot of people are resistant. They think, oh, I'm going to take people's time. Um, I'm asking, you know, these questions are quite, um, you know, not personal, but uh, require not just yes and no answers. But you will be surprised, like literally nine times out of 10 customers actually, um, they cherish these conversations. Like once you've had them, they're actually really uh, you know, they often um, thank you afterwards. They think, wow, that was actually really cathartic. Um, you're asking me, you're not, it's not a sell, uh, a selling call. You're really just asking them to, um, uh, to explore with them their behaviors, their habits uh, around whatever area of business you're in. So those open-ended questions uh, are really important uh, as well. You touched on um, the idea of, oh, I wouldn't want to, I don't want to take people's time. Um, maybe it feels complicated for us to reach out in an email, reach out through social media and say, I'm looking for five people to spend how much time is real reasonable to ask? To spend 30 minutes. 30 minutes. Yeah. Looking for five people to, to give me 30 minutes of their time. I would love to not pick your brain because I also care a lot about language, as you know. Um, but, you know, Five people to spend 30, to, to give me 30 minutes to, to get curious about your experience with blah, or to get curious about what you know about blah. And I, I'm thinking about my clients, many, most of whom are neurodivergent, many of whom have ADHD. And every single step of that process can feel overwhelming because it's, I need to make the decision and to recognize that market research will be a good idea. Oh my God, market research is a whole field. I don't even know where to start. All right. I've recognized market research is a good idea. I bought Du Penguin's Eat Peaches. Yay. Excellent. Good call. Now I need to read Du Penguin's Eat Peaches, <laughs> right? Because how many, hands up, who has a book at home that they have ordered, very excited and haven't read? One day I'll take a picture of all of my bookshelves. I actually have to like, in my bedroom, on different bits of furniture, I, like things aren't falling over, but there's so many amazing books. And if I could absorb their goodness through osmosis, I would be a walking encyclopedia. However, so ordering Du Penguin's Eat Peaches, reading Du Penguin's Eat Peaches, because it's so good. And I know this because I was one of the very lucky pre-readers for Katie, and it's so good. And I also, P.S., love that it was written by you, a woman, because the world of market research is so suffocatingly predominantly male usually white it just isn't diverse and so to have you as a young woman writing a book with all of your experience and your take on it is so refreshing 
okay, close parenthesis. Um, <laughs> but to, to, to know that, you know, do enough learning that you can understand the value of it and then don't, to not feel overwhelmed as a neurodivergent founder or specifically one with ADHD, like, okay, I know I need to do this. I've read about it. I've learned enough. I've heard Katie and Anne have, the, have this conversation. My questions, I need to actually have conversations with people. Oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. That means I need to write an email. Or I need to create social posts and I need to put them out there and maybe nobody's going to respond. What if the wrong people respond? What if I get information and it, it, I don't understand it right? What if, what if, what if, right? So I, can, I could feel as I was reading the book and just noticing in myself and having had so many conversations with the almost 40 people who've come through Loud and Clear, which is the, the program I mentioned earlier, the, the deep desire to get it right often means that we don't do it at all because we're so eager to do the best job we can and get the best results for our clients or for our business or for ourselves. And it often stops us. So one of the things that you talk about is good enough in the book. You talk about good enough research. So what is good enough research and what can my amazingly talented and brilliant neurodivergent microscopic detail seeing, you know, creative thinking listener, what, what can they do that will be good enough to get them the information they need and then keep moving. Oh, hello. I have an invitation for you. Do you ever feel like you're always starting from scratch when you create marketing content or hired a freelancer who did an okay job, but somehow their words just didn't sound like you? Maybe you have team members waiting for you to approve marketing content so you can get the word out about your amazing offer. Oh, I feel you. It's hard. And I have good news. What if you could curate everything you know about your brand into a comprehensive collection and have it handy by your side every time you wanted to communicate? Or better still, hand it over to your team, brain transplant style, so you'd be sure that they'd get the voice just right. You can. Helping you do that is my superpower which is handy because I'm currently taking applications for Loud and Clear. It's the small group program that I created to help entrepreneurs like you sort through all that muddled spaghetti of stuff that you know about your brand. We start early in 2024. Want to come along for the ride? Over three months, we'll create a resource that saves you time, effort, energy, and money. Best of all, it gets your work known without you ever having to start from scratch or be the bottleneck for your team. If you're ready to focus on what you do best instead of all the marketing, then Loud and Clear might be for you. If you know that you need to do this work, but group programs aren't really your jam, I also work one-to-one. -one. The link to contact me about this is in the show notes. Or you can get in touch with me on socials at Andy Ferguson. Whether you are interested in the Loud and Clear group program, or if you think you'd like us to rock it ahead, the two of us together. Either way, sharing what's in your head helps your brand grow. Let's get back to the episode. Yeah, I, I really like that you've brought that up, Anne, because um, it can feel uh, over overwhelming. Um, I think good enough research for me, and I was really keen to put that in the book. And I think the book is is really supportive and encouraging. And I, I wrote it as such because what I don't want is people to read it and think, ah, you know, I haven't been doing this or you've been doing it wrong. You've been asking the wrong questions. It's it's an exploration really of like some of the reasons why we don't do it, as you were saying. And I think for, um, uh, you know, founders with, neurodiversities and ADHD, some of these things can be even more heightened, um, you know, some of the resistance. So good enough research is about, you know, what do I need to find out to make the next best decision? Not all the decisions, not like, you know, all the decisions for the rest of the year. Um, you know, what do I need now uh, to move my business forward? What are my priorities at the moment? And which ones carry the most risk, I suppose, if I don't check you know, and it's all about that. It's all about kind of saving, you know, saving yourself from 
you know, whether it's heartache or, you know, financial uh, loss or, you know, energy, morale, um, it's really about market research. Maybe that's a bit meta, but it can actually like it is to protect you, you know, is to kind mm-hmm. of reduce the risks and make sure that you're, you know, putting all your passion into the right things. Um, and I think, uh, you know, um, people with ADHD have some brilliant qualities, I think, that make them um, very, you know, great people to do market research in terms of, you know, the uh, the attention to detail. Um, what I've tried to do in the book is to create some frameworks. Um, I, I like that as well. Like, I like to have, this is all great, but how do I implement this? And once I have a framework, then I'm more comfortable uh, being a bit loose uh, within the framework, but at least I have some parameters. So at the back of the book, um, I've got three methods, basically. Um, I think it's the stone, um, the peach, and the penguin. Um, very original <laughs> for the for the name. And they're basically the three ways, um, and they just break down all the different types. So desk research, how often am I recommending to do it? Customer interviews, how long do I recommend? How often do I recommend... Um, going on some of the, you know, the fancy tools that are out there online um, that you could use to understand your audience, like Ask the Public um, uh, and Also Ask is another one. We can put them maybe in the show notes because they're quite good yeah. ones to have a look at. Yes. Um, and also, uh, and you know, how often to do a survey. And so you, you kind of got a bit of a guideline there. And that's and that's kind of the, the minimum. And it's not, you know, it really doesn't, uh, shouldn't take uh, too much time because I've purposely put that first level at, this is manageable. This is going to help me, but it's not like throwing the whole kitchen sink at it either. And then you have the second one, which is the the peach, which is like, okay, I'm getting comfortable at this. I'd like to up my game. Maybe I've got a few more launches this year. My business is getting bigger or I just want to double down. I'm actually enjoying this. I'm going to do a bit more of it. And then obviously the, the last one, which is the penguin, that's kind of like, you know, if you've got a bit more support, if you have a team, um, then you can start doing things a bit more frequently. So, uh, yeah, hopefully it kind of takes them, how do I get from all this amazing advice to actually making this work in my business? So I've purposely put these kind of three methods in at the back. Um, and then probably I'll have a link to the website so you can cut them out and stick them on the wall. Cause I quite like that. You know, if you can see something visually kind of keeps you on the straight and narrow, um, and, but yeah, good enough research. So it's really about, you know, dialing down those voices that are saying, I have to get this all right. Uh, otherwise there's no point trying to, you know, what could I, um, you know, what, what's my next decision and how can I make it a bit more robust by asking some people? Um, uh, and I think, you know, even if it's starting with, if the fear of um, speaking to people, that's too much to start with, even some really good desk research, there's some amazing reports out there for free. Um, and, you know, I've got quite a few links uh, of great websites in the book where you can just start having that kind of broader picture understanding. That's really, you know, that can really help as well. Um, so there's no, you know, there's no wrong way of doing it. There's just, you know, if you don't do it, then um, it's, you know, it's just a real shame because I don't like seeing, you know, amazing business owners, um, you know, not fulfilling their own dream of running their own businesses because of some of this knowledge or skills that can be, um, can be learnt. I, as you're talking, what I'm what I'm feeling, I'm feeling some bubbling up of excitement because, as someone with ADHD, super high marks in all the types of ADHD. When they did my assessment, it was like I got the best grades I could for all the types, all together. And and when when a new idea arrives, it is so enlivening. It is so exciting. And it's often born of a conversation with one of my clients or a number of my clients or something I've noticed or a discussion in a community like the one where we, we met in real work. It, it, it's so exciting. And often I don't want to do other things like make dinner or, um, you know, do the, the boring admin task or file my taxes or whatever thing is because I'm so excited by this new idea. And I still love all the other things that are still running, but I'm so excited. And there's part of me that's like, what? Let me just slow down and do market research, but I just want to run. And I, in a an, an accountability group that I've been in since 2019, so four years now, um, most of us are neurodivergent. Um, and I remember having this conversation with one of the people in the group who is on, I think, the third business that she has started, plus writing a book, plus, plus, plus. She's incredible. She's incredibly generative. 
um, very generous with her knowledge. And she is such, she's such a starter, but she's not so much a completer finisher like many of us. And I remember saying to her, hang on a second. I, I know that you're super excited about this, but have you asked? Have you asked? I mean, it's such a great idea. You're like going off into creating the brand visuals and doing all of these. Like, Whoa, have you had a conversation? And I spoke to her about you and you were writing your book at the time. So this was pre-publication. So as you're listening, you can pre-order Katie's book right now. And please do, because it makes all the difference to the sales and to how many bookstores will carry it and so on and so forth. Let's support new authors. And Katie's book is brilliant. She is not a new market researcher. She is simply a first-time author, but definitely not a last time if I can look yeah. into the future and hope. Um, but I remember having that conversation with this friend and saying, you know, remember, remember to ask. And upon asking, she found out a bunch of a bunch of information that actually meant that that particular project, suddenly she was able to identify the opportunity much more clearly and also starkly see the risk that was involved with the approach that she had felt so excited by, about taking. And so as I'm thinking about, you know, a new idea bubbling up and, but I don't, I don't necessarily want to slow down. I just want to go make the thing because I'm feeling the juice now. And when I'm feeling the juice, if I don't attend to it, the juice often goes away. My clients tell me the same. So, so what I'm hearing from you is something that will actually help sustain the juice. Because if we have these great ideas and we already have created for ourselves or we draw on your book, which is the way easiest, and I'm all about easy hacks for my brain that goes madly off in a million directions. We go to the back of your book and we choose the pit, the, the stone, sorry, not the pit. <laughs> we choose the stone or we choose the peach and we simply follow the instructions because you've done all the thinking for us. Thank you very much. And all of the career building and all the research. We don't have to go become professional market researchers. You are, and you're teaching us. So that's great. We go and we say, okay, we integrate right now. I'm super excited. I'm going to, I want to make this the best I can because we always do. And in order to do that, I'm going to follow this recipe and it's going to give me enough structure to have the information I need to then go wild with my creative but have way more chance that all of that energy and all of that time and all of those uh, that investment that I put into this new idea, this new offering, this new product actually yields benefit for my clients and for my business. Because while I'm doing all of that, I'm not doing other things that could be generating revenue. No, absolutely. And I think, um, you know, there, there are a lot of people out there that uh, you know, get excited and want to go straight in. And I have got a section in the book about, you know, doing can be testing too, as long as you're not throwing everything at it. Um, and some examples, um, you know, where you can just launch something that has the essence of the end products that you, you're, you know, you're getting excited about, but you're um, scaling it back down to um, something smaller to start with and you test small and you test often and that might suit um, you know who knows we'll see after the book's published and that that might be uh, more suitable for um, uh, founders with a diagnosed with ADHD or um, self-diagnosed because there is the doing so you've got that excitement of like you know actually putting something out there not stopping for too long but it just what it will do is it will stop you putting out this you know the, too much too soon and pay uh, scale back your idea. So I think one of the examples in the book I have is, for example, if you're um, uh, like a personal trainer, uh, as an example, and you're looking to, you'd love to launch, um, uh, you know, your own class basically and hire a venue somewhere, and that could be quite risky. So you know, your your first um, iteration would probably be okay. Let's start with the channels that I already have, like on social, for example, doing some. Um, exercise advice then you could do some like um, you know online then you could do a pop-up in a an event you know not far from you just a one-off and then you build it slowly you learn as you go along instead of like hiring out you know uh, a space on a six months basis every Saturday and then maybe no one turns up but you could you can break it down um, and then you can learn uh, along the way and you might learn that actually people um, are actually really seeking out those in-person exercise uh, experiences now as opposed to like you know we've had a lot of uh, fitness uh, on zoom and um, that maybe only goes so far so it's just it's trying to think of your idea same if you want to set up a cafe I mean how many cafes have I seen that 
they just go all in on the cafe and then they struggle you know and then like a year two years later this beautiful cafe um where there was a lot of heart and passion you know they close and it's like you know how can you how can you break that down into that's the ultimate goal potentially the dream and then okay let's do um maybe just some catering for parties or uh yeah again like a pop-up at a market on the weekend and just kind of you know be patient enough to test small, test often, and then maybe you arrive at that big idea that you had, or maybe it might be something different, even more amazing, but you won't know until you kind of, you know, break it down um, and test test often. And what about someone who has a business that is a going concern, it's trucking along, and they have certainties about their clients? I know from reading your book and from having conversations, the... Um, the potential traps that lie in this concept of certainty, because to me, certainty is the, is the opposite of curiosity. Um, some would say that, you know, being closed is the opposite of, of curiosity, but to me, certainty means that a little bit. I'm, I'm certain, I know, and I have, I have teenagers in the house and boy, oh boy, do I ever receive a whole lot of certainty about what is and isn't possible and, you know, what is happening and what isn't. And, and, the, one of the benefits of, you know, essentially five decades on the planet is that I, I can now look at that and go, oh, I know exactly what that feels like. And also maybe not. Also, what if something different? And, and there's so much richness in there. So can you talk a little bit about even if you're running a membership and it's doing really well, or but you have plans for growth and maybe you're struggling a little bit or maybe you're struggling with retention in your in your membership or you want to do a new offering you want to have a new spinoff and you know i'm using inverted commas for those of you who are not watching us on on youtube or socials um you know things about your audience talk to us about the pitfalls of knowing when things are going well yeah i i actually have a, a subheading in the book called assumptions kill dreams <laughs> it sounds quite dramatic and but but they do and i think you know assumptions can be so strong on your audience and customers especially if you've been in business a while that you don't even recognize that they are assumptions about your audience and also you know things change so what what was right about your community um six months ago or uh, you know 12 months ago it might not be true anymore i mean i think if one thing you know the global pandemic has taught us that things can change very quickly you know you can shift a whole society online and, and shut them indoors and people's behavior hasn't um, has changed as a result of that and probably changed forever uh, and if you are not you know okay that was a, that's a huge example but things are subtly shifting all the time in society and um, if we don't keep our fingers on the pulse and you know be too you know let our egos convince us we're an expert with our audience like you know i know my audience and there's a lot of big arrogant uh, big companies out there that do that do that as well um I, you know i'm not saying they spend a lot of money on research but they don't always do it right either and um and i think it's so important you know when you have those assumptions rising in you uh when you start looking at an idea think about you know what has to be true for this to work and then if, if your brain comes up with an answer, well, you know, my um, I need to have like 44 year old women willing, you know, they're, they're dying to go on a retreat to be in the safe, a safe space, et cetera, et cetera. How do we know that to be true? And just keep questioning yourself. Um, and and then, you know, I do that with you talk about teenagers. I have a teenager as well. And I think that the the certainty at the moment, like the black and whiteness of um, mm -hmm. the, the opinions and just trying to kind of start uh you know you know shifting a little bit and saying well how do you know that to be true you know how do you know that to be true and I, we can't go around checking everything like i'm not saying um you know every single decision has to be checked but what we want to be doing is just checking enough to to reduce the risk basically and and there's a lot of things a bit on assumption and i share in the book a big failure of mine um and when i came back from um, a family gap year and i decided that um, I was going to launch a travel course for other families that were going to embark on a life-changing round-the-world trip, and uh, I made a lot of assumptions. You know, I was you know was I an expert in family travel? Well, probably more than most because I'd just spent the last year 
traveling with like a nine-year-old and a three-year-old and my partner um, across, you know, multiple countries with like allergies and all, and all kinds of things like that. But I assumed, um, and I should, and I should have known better. Like I worked in big companies before we tested like million pound products, but you know, when you want something so bad and I just quit my job before leaving as well. So I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do. You know, those, that, that, um, those assumptions can be really strong. You have to keep it in check. They can be really strong. You know, they look like facts. They do. And there were voices in my head that were probably saying, Katie, like you probably want to check this before you, you know, before you go all in and start writing all the modules for this course and, you know, and just asking people on there. And people are saying to me, oh yeah, that sounds great. That sounds great. Um, luckily COVID actually saved me from a lot of pain because COVID shut the world down. And so there was no travel course, like that, that idea was not going to happen. But if COVID wouldn't have happened, like, I don't know how far I would have gone before listening to the voice that, was, that wasn't, that I was quietening saying, you need to check. You haven't checked, have you? You haven't checked. Um, uh, and so, you know, it can happen to, to all of us, you know, it's human, it's, it's human nature to kind of protect yourself from, from uncomfortable feelings and failure. And like, you know, because we still think our brains sometimes still think we're in like, you know, prehistoric ages and there's danger, you know, like those kind of things come across as danger. So, you know, I do break that down a lot in Do Penguins Eat Peaches as well to, to show the humanness and the normality of some of these um, uh, fears that we have, fears of failure, um, going too far down the road and having to turn back. Oh, might as well just keep going. You know, all those kind of things. Like we unpick that in the book to show you that we're all like that. <laughs> you are not alone. Um, this book is just to be conscious. Like if we can get our conscious thinking, catching out the subconscious, then that's good. Like, you know, that's yeah. good. Yeah. And, and it is immensely reassuring to know that you also um, have fallen into the the trap of I know I'm my excitement is actually turning into knowledge and influence over all of the people that I can see eventually buying the book right because somehow we're we're super powerful in this you know in our in our desire um we, we confuse our desire and our excitement with a need in the audience and that is such a human thing to do and if there's one thing that people can remember from this conversation as we wrap up is other than pre-order Katie's book, Do Penguins Eat Peaches, and support this brilliant author and learn this stuff for your business because it will make the difference between hemorrhaging energy and time and potentially money and, and missing out on other opportunities and actually creating something that your people really, really need that might feel even more exciting and even more something that you're even more proud of than that original idea that you had. But if there's one thing to remember, as I come back to my what I was going to say, is this mindset of curiosity and what what could I find out now as opposed to what if I get it wrong it's too hard it's it's too com complex it doesn't have to be read do penguins eat peaches go to the structures at the back of the book and have a look at the one that suits you and give yourself a break you don't have to make all the decisions on your own you don't have to learn all the theory of market research. Katie has an entire career behind her of doing this, and she's done it for us. So start there and do as much research as is good enough and then decide if you go. Is that, is that fair? Yeah, no, absolutely. I think it's having that, giving yourself a break. Like, don't be too hard on yourself. Um, you know, I think the wish for this book is even if you read it all and you don't do some of the tasks, um, that something will change in you. I'm hoping that, you know, something will stick. And even if that one thing sticks and you change behavior in your business, I think that that makes me really, that will make me really happy because it is all about helping um, and and unlocking those, the secrets and the knowledge that are, are tucked away so often in like corporate boardrooms or business books that you wouldn't pick up because they have, you know, you know, boring titles. Um, and so, yeah, no, I think that's uh uh, that's a it's a fair it's a fair um, comment to sum up. Curiosity is really at the heart of it all. Yeah, and you might even find that you start to enjoy it because you're connecting with people in your audience and you're getting information you wouldn't have had otherwise, and you're avoiding, you know, going down dead ends. And it it becomes, you know, can you gamify it for yourself? Can it become a game of, ooh, I wonder what I'm going to find here? You know, like kids when they when they're going to explore something, can you find your inner child, invite your inner child along for the ride and say, rather than the terrified one and say, this is going to be cool. I wonder what we're going to find out here. No, absolutely. 
Yeah. And if you bring that energy, then you're far more likely to get useful information than if you go in knowing before you ask. Yeah. No. And I think um, it's really about respect. You know, it's it's respect for your customers because, you know, they you want them to spend money with you on things that they need and want. And it's respect for you as a business owner and your time and your energy. Um, so I think it's 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 um it's a beautiful thing to, for business owners to learn. It can help across the board and with marketing as well and getting your language right. And we've talked about this in the past. Um, but I, I do have also a newsletter. And if, if some of your listeners want to sign up, it's called Jungle Juice. And it drops every Monday and has a lot of tips and stories and advice as well around um, <clears throat> understanding customers and, get, and getting in the in the right mindset. I'm so glad you mentioned Jungle Juice because I receive squajillions of emails and I am partially responsible for the overuse of electricity in server farms somewhere. So that's an environmental footprint that I'm not proud of and need to remedy. But your email, Jungle Juice, and as a wordsmith, I'm pretty selective about emails that I adore receiving. There are three, I think, that I can think of off the top of my head. And yours is definitely one of them. So if you are going to order do penguins eat peaches or wait for it to come out into your library, which is also a perfectly great idea. Get on Katie's newsletter list because you share really useful information every week. It's funny, it's punchy, it's entertaining, and it's super, super useful. So I will link for you to Katie's site. I will also link for you so you can get on her newsletter list. I will also link you to places that you can pre-order the book and I will link up some of the resources that Katie mentioned in our conversation. Katie, thank you so much. It has been a delight. Curiosity, curiosity, curiosity. Thank you so much, Anne. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Brand Up Podcast, the neurodivergent founders hub for all things brain, voice, and brand. If you'd like to learn more about what you heard today, head to the show notes for all the useful usual links. Most importantly, if you're ready for marketing to be easier and if you have a niggle that working on your brand voice strategy and messaging will help, it really will. I'd love to talk to you about your brand. You can book a chat with me by reaching out on socials or through the link in the show notes. If you enjoyed today's episode, please take a minute to follow the podcast and do leave us a review. That way more brilliant neurodivergent founders like you and me will find the podcast and get the support they need. Marketing can be easier, more effective and more fun when you share what's in your brain so your brand can grow. Speak soon. Mm-hmm.